Welcome to Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. In this podcast, we delve into the non-clinical aspects of dentistry with inspirational guests from across the profession. You will hear incredible life stories, pick up valuable business tips and be entertained. I'm Andy Acton and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Drevens. So to speak to a dentist who has a ancestry in dentistry running back 175 mm. years to the beginning of dentistry yeah i mean that's in terms of dental school you sort of think about it that's quite a long time then you think actually that was as he said you know when dentistry was sort of became a, a profession really yeah fascinating yeah. and i love the way he talks about those those important skills you need to succeed mm. and how clearly the, the the functional the technical is in there but the other areas he talks about that's really where the the success comes mm. the business success comes yeah. isn't it it's all those soft skills, isn't it? So, you know, we, we talk about it, everyone talks about it. You know, you can be great as a clinician uh, and really anything you do, you can be great at the technical bit, but unless you have the ability to communicate, yeah, you, you, you know, you're, you're just going to be great at doing the technical stuff, Yeah, um, which might be what you want to do. I yeah, hasten to yeah, add, yeah, but absolutely. if you want a successful business, you've got to master the yeah. other part. Well. Yeah, no, he's got, um, he's got a very nice style about him yeah, as well nice. uh, in terms very of nice. what he's doing. So that's really, nice I'm guy. sure people have taken an awful lot from that. And uh, if you like what you hear, then please do subscribe yeah. as well, wherever you get your podcasts from. So welcome, everybody. We're off and running again. We, we have are another episode, yet another, another podcast. <laughs> and today we are absolutely delighted. We have a dentist who graduated in dental technology in 1995, dentistry at the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil in 2002, a member and former president of the Brazilian Academy of Aesthetic Dentistry and a member of the European and American Academy of Aesthetic Dentistry, becoming the only dentist member of the three most important aesthetic dentistry academies in the world. And breathe. <sighs> principal, of the, title, principal of the digital smile design, a dental laboratory owner. It's a very, very welcome to Dr. Christian Coachman. It How is are you, Nice to see. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for the introduction. Pleasure to be here. And honestly, it's it's some introduction to give because there is so much um, that you've you, you've done so far across so many different areas, and we have to start by recognising that as a family, you're in the <laughs> Guinness World Record book uh, because of the the generations of dentists. And for for people that don't know, we've 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 got Christian who's who, who's a dentist. We go back one step to his father Robert Coachman. We go back to his grandfather Charles Coachman, great grandfather hence Coachman. Great great-great-grandfather John Coachman and then great-great-great-grandfather John Keyes back in 1848. That is some remarkable heritage in <laughs> dentistry, isn't it? Yeah, I, I usually say that it's probably a genetic disease in the family. <laughs> <laughs> There's no choice. <laughs> have you got any children, Christian? I do have. I do Are have. any I of have. them going into dentistry? I hope somebody will continue. No pressure. <laughs> we, no pressure of heritage. Me and my brothers, we, that's why we have a lot of kids, to increase the chances of somebody following. Um, my <laughs> oldest one is already 25. He's in business, so he, we lost him. Um, my brother's older one is also in journalism, so we lost him as well. Oh dear! <laughs> I like the word "lost." <laughs> lost him. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody I mean, has. Yeah. And and on a on a on a, on a serious point, um, uh, there's kind of a difference, isn't there? Be kind of between pressure and duty. Kind of pressure gets inflicted by others, and duty is something that that kind of you put upon yourself. As a, as a youngster, 
was there kind of this dawning realization that that you would you would feel this duty to follow on in the in the coachman tradition of being a dentist? Uh, that's a common question they ask us. Me and my brother. My brother is a dentist yeah. as well. Um, um, but uh, zero pressure because uh, my father never really, you know, told us this story with this emphasis. Uh, I didn't know exactly the story before oh. I entered dental school. My father was not mentioning that much. You know, we know there was a tradition. But he kept it very, he downplayed a little bit and he never put pressure at all. And uh, me and my brother, we never really thought about being dentists until the last minute. Mm. Uh, and I don't know why at the last minute we decided to become a dentist, but mm. uh, you know, maybe our ancestors from above, they kind of guide us. And so <laughs> if, you're, if you're not sure about anything else, uh, just go for dentistry. And, and we decided to go into dentistry kind of together. And and that's it, you know. That's history. No pressure. And are you in are you in business with your brother in any shape or form, or is he doing his own thing in dentistry? So the the interesting thing is that we are partner we we are partners at the DSD company, and nowadays wow. none of us are doing daily clinical work anymore because we are running yeah. the digital smile design company here in yeah, Madrid, yeah. our company. So we are in the business together. Uh, but we are both not doing clinical work as we used to do anymore. Right. Mm. And did you, just before you had the uh, pressure from the ancestors nudging you down dentistry, had you thought about doing anything else? Were you like, oh, I yeah. want to be a dancer? <laughs> <laughs> My dream was to be an architect. Uh, you know, as a teenager, I was doing internships in architectural offices. I, uh, and still today, I love architecture, and somehow I was able to become a small architect, as, as I call myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was my dream. My brother wanted to be a veterinarian, and, and he realized that it was easier for him to, to, uh, to make the money with dentistry first and then get the horses that he wanted afterwards instead of taking care of other people's horses. So that was his strategy and he's working for that. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, and, 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 and before dentistry, Christian, what was your, what was your upbringing like? Your, your upbringing was in, was in Brazil, I assume, or did you travel oh, yeah. around? Born and raised in Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, the capital. So very, very big city. Uh, um, then, uh, uh, doing you know a lot of sports we were always into sports a lot and actually that was another dream to become a an athlete didn't work out that well as well so we could we were not good <laughs> enough <laughs> to become athletes you didn't want to become a footballer <laughs> as a brazilian always that's always yeah, so <laughs> isn't that almost a part of your dna the brazilian uh, footballer we tried i tried personally until I was 16, 17. But uh, tennis was my main sport. Uh, I played competitively until I was 18, 19. Oh, wow. And I also realized that um, I had a bigger chance in dentistry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And on your on your social media account, you, you, you talk heavily about, and you have a hashtag kind of coachman tradition, yeah. um, you know, and rituals and traditions. Um, that sense of tradition obviously it's linked through dentistry with with your your um your father and the generations before but as a as, as a family is that something that's that's really important to you as a family outside of the dentistry link mm -hmm. are you a very close-knit family 
it, it is very important for my father and I kind of inherit this sentiment from him. I, I know that I love tradition. Of course, I love innovation. That's actually the tagline mm. combination I like, tradition and innovation, the combination of both. So yes, we are always innovating and uh, pushing things forward, creating new stuff. But at the same time, I have a deep appreciation for tradition. Uh, I love always looking back, learning from the past, respecting mm. everything that was done before us. So, of course, from our ancestors, you know, I always loved history. I always loved uh, history in general, but the history of our family, you know, mm. my father loves and he, he he was always telling me the stories about the things that my grandfather created, invented, and the achievements from my great-grandfather grandfather and and the whole history of the family so so cool how each generation was able to give their contribution to dentistry and uh, we are lucky mm. that there's a lot of documentation and a lot of stories that are still uh available about everything so mm. yeah i love history and i love tradition i i, I love to pay tribute to everything mm. that came before it's us it's interesting, isn't it, really? Because if you think about it, and, and I don't know because I'm not a clinician, but if you look at the pace of technology and how that's changed, if you probably look at, uh, you know, the first generation, the difference between the first generation and second probably wasn't that much, and the yeah. third to the second to third probably wasn't that much, third to fourth maybe a little bit more, fourth to fifth a little bit more, probably fifth to sixth is like whoa, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> the massive technological changes that have happened. Earth goes like this. Um, yeah, I think that was, a. if, if I think about the way each generation was doing dentistry in my family, you're probably right. You know, uh, of course the first one, my great, 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 he was part, you know, in the nine, 1840s, 1850s mm. was when they founded the first official dental schools in the world. There was two yeah. dental schools in the U S so before 18. 40 something there was no official dentistry as a profession so he was among the first few guys yeah. who was a real uh, graduated, idea. Yeah. graduated officially as a dentist so the beginning of dentistry happened there mm. so where you're creating all the rules and all the protocols uh, of whatever they were doing at that time mm. um uh, and then second generation, third generation, uh, little improvements here and there. I think that the generation of my father, there was a big change and that was the birth of interdisciplinary dentistry. You know, yeah. thinking, thinking, looking at the patient and thinking as a whole, right? Connecting the dots, connecting the disciplines. Mm. Um, in my grandfather time, that was the beginning of specialties was starting to happen before him dentistry was just dentistry you, yeah. you try to uh, reduce pain and extract teeth right uh, yeah, a little yeah, bit sure. of prevention uh, and extractions um, yeah. my grandfather saw the beginning of specializations and specialty professions you know so endo here ortho there and mm. things like that my father generation started to connect the dots so not only mm. you have ortho you have endo you have perio amazing but you start to plan together. You start to see that one specialty can impact the other and we need to sit down and 
think together, you know? And that was, of course, consolidated in, in my generation. And then in my generation, just things started to happen like this. So mm. maturation yeah. of interdisciplinary dentistry, also digital dentistry, mm. starting right here, mm. right now. But it's uh, funny you have, that you, oh, I was going to say that you've got such an appreciation for the old traditions and, you know, the the heritage. Was, yet at the other end, you've obviously got the, the, mm. the, the massive digitization, which is where your world's focused. And I, I was going to ask Christian, is, there, is it one of those ones that, that also you're, you've effectively, uh, I don't quite know the way to put it, but almost like a, a maybe a library or a catalogue or a history of bits of equipment that, you know, your, your granddad, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, father whatever used or or bits of literature or something or is it one of those ones that nobody ever really thought about it <laughs> until sort of like oh it's too late now we've changed it all it's almost like you could create your own museum if you had all we those have, stuff we have a little museum uh we have the diplomas you know for example the my great great uh when well, they were initially originally from us so they moved to brazil in the eight in 1868 right after the civil war uh, moved to Brazil, uh, started from scratch in Brazil. Then they became the dentists of the royal family in Brazil. At that time, it was a kingdom. Oh, uh, okay. And they created a, actually a relationship with the king. Uh, he became friend. John William Coach became a friend of the uh, king of Brazil, and he has the diploma. We have still the diploma from with the stamp from the king, giving him the authorization to practice as a dentist. For example. Oh, that's brilliant! That uh, excellent. Uh, all of them were researchers and uh, article producers, so they were producing articles, and we have all these articles as well. You know, they, they were authors of in, important content. You know, in in the eighteen hundreds and then beginning of nineteen hundreds, we have these articles as well. Um, mm-hmm. um, then, of course, my grandfather uh, went to the same dental school that I. I went, so we all have a, this tradition since 1820 something, 1819 yeah, something that going to the same school. Wow. So wow. Um, there's this tradition as well at the University of São Paulo that is wow. the best dental school in in Latin America. So wow. also very proud of that. You almost wonder if they've got your own chair. You know, you got the couchman chair. You know, <laughs> oh, this is your chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is um, uh, something that uh, I, again, when I was in dental school, I was not that into it. I really got into it after I finished dental school and my my father started to tell me the stories more in detail. Um, Mm. And I think that was good because during dental school, I didn't really felt that I was nothing more than anybody else in school. Mm. Maybe as a youngster... If I knew all of that, maybe I would be a little bit more like, you know, I, I'm this. True, I suppose. No pressure and stuff yeah. like that, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. there could be a bit of a, a, bit of a, an attitude knowing yeah, that no, it's gone yeah. before. And, yeah. and you started as a, as a dental technician working in your father's clinic in 95 and then qualified as a dentist later in 2002. And you said you didn't find it easy. What, what was your dental, dental school experience like? So the dental technology, the lab work actually saved my dental career because, as I told you, I didn't want to become a dentist. Mm. I ended up choosing that. And the beginning of dental school was a disaster. And I entered dental school in 94. uh, And I was feeling like I did the worst decision ever. So I wanted to quit. Uh, 
And in the second year of dental school, I said, dad, this is not for me. I want to quit. And he said, look, maybe you can become a technician because you can find, you know, you like to work with your hands and design and et cetera. And, and, you know, lab work may be something for you. So I started to do the dental technician course in parallel to dental school. And that's something that in Brazil is possible. You can move your dental school to half time and use the other period to either work or do other courses. So I became a technician and mm. I was in the third year of dental school. So I was still in dental school and I became a technician and I started to really love that work. I started to work for my father, started to make some money. So that was always good. Makes you feel good. And I felt love with lab work and that made me stay in dental dental school and finish it even though i was never i never saw myself as a clinician right so it, it, it's it really saved me my my the father my father's vision and suggestion and the fact that my mom told me you know i don't care what you're gonna do you're gonna finish this <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> give you the diploma and then you can do whatever you want wise, wise words from your mother yeah, yeah. finish <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I, I haven't spent a lot of time in labs, but I, I've been in a few and I'm always amazed at the artistry and the design and the craft work that goes into the creation. Um, yeah. And they are, they're little bits of art and trying to create something that's natural in a laboratory mm-hmm. re- yeah. really is high end artistry. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, it, you know, even, you know, until recently where technology really started to, to come into labs you know, it was a completely handmade process, a craftsmanship. At uh, it, it's almost like going back a hundred years and seeing how people used to do things. And in the lab, mm-hmm. we were doing the same way. So it was completely dependent on uh, amazing levels of artistic skills, and that's why mm-hmm. I love so much lab work. Yeah. And still today, even with digital dentistry, it still requires a lot of artistic skills and hand skills and just n- good creativity to build mm-hmm. smiles and design smiles and, and, and manage all the tools that we need in the lab. Mm. So, so given that it was kind of the dental technician side of things that kind of saved your, 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 your dental career so early on, <laughs> what, what did you learn as a technician that's helped you as a dentist? What are the things that perhaps other dentists don't have in their, mm-hmm. in their kit bag that you learned as a technician? So when you, are, when you are transforming somebody's smile, you know, you have a patient that deserves a better smile or needs a better smile. Uh, for aesthetic reasons or functional reasons, uh, you know, you, you need, of course, a lot of clinical experience. You need uh, a scientific base. You need uh, uh, good hand skills as a clinician, but you also need artistic skills. And it's completely different. Being, being a, a great clinician is completely different than being a great smile designer. These are Mm. two completely different set of skills, right? So to transform a smile, to treat a smile, you need both. You need great clinical skills and you need great artistic smile design skills. So as a technician, I understood that uh, most dentists, most great clinicians 
are not necessarily great smile designers. And that's why this partnership is so important. You know, mm. uh, great dentists and great technicians working together to transform mm. people's lives. So that was uh, something that I was able to understand because I was doing both sides. I was, you know, learning from both sides. I had training on both sides. So I was able to connect the dots and basically tackle all the problems of communication. That is a mm -hmm. classical historical problem in dentistry, the communication between dentists and technicians. Mm -hmm. And since the early days, I was always focused on how to improve this communication. That's actually the, the, the birth of digital smile design. Mm. Well, yeah. I, I mean, you said before, mm. dentistry requires a unique combination of skills. What what would yeah. you see those as, as being? So I actually, yeah, I, I actually wrote an article about what it takes to be a great dentist. And I was able to, to outline five, five skills, right? Five specific skills. So first of all, you need a scientific background. Second, you need, uh, so you need to study, you need to know the science, you need to know materials, you need to know the techniques, um, and, and that is reading and studying, right? But of course, this is not all. There's, there's a lot of people that are great with science, knows everything, but they're not good dentists on the execution, right? The second part is clinical experience, so meaning years of practice, you know, doing over and over again the same procedures. There's no shortcut. A great dentist, they've been doing whatever they are doing for a while. There's a minimum amount of time that is required for you to become a great mm -hmm. dentist. So there's no magic here. You need that time to have mm -hmm. those clinical skills. Uh, another one, uh, communication skills. So this is a completely different set of skills that I, I believe is vital. Every great dentist has that. You need great communication skills because as a dentist, you need to work as a team. So dentistry is a team sport. And to lead a team, you need great communication skills. You need great communication with the specialists and with the lab. And this is a big problem. If you don't have communication skills, it's very hard to deliver high-end mm -hmm. dentistry and you need to communicate with the patient otherwise they're Sorry, not so christian get... on that i'll just I'll just on that point about communication do, do you feel the the communication the relationship between dentists and, and labs has been neglected over the years it's um i think that for a while you know it was uh, i think everybody knows today how important it is it's just that mm. communication is not easy you know we don't yeah. learn in dental school how to communicate well, how, how to build mm. communication systems. People talk about the importance of communication, but people don't teach how to implement communication mm. systems. Yeah, Communication mm -hmm. should be something that it's not only about, oh, I need to be a better communicator, but how, you know, what tools do I use? Mm. What systems do I implement? What protocols do I follow? You need to be pragmatic about communication. You know, it's not only mm. about becoming a better communicator yourself, uh, but implementing systems that you can repeat every single day that your whole team can follow to improve communication for every case that you do, not mm. here and there, you know. So people take communication too casual. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's actually tool no, that's actually skill number three. Skill number four is the artistic skill. So different than clinical skill, 
artistic skill means that you can see things differently. Somebody that is very artistic has artistic eyes, can see artistically. You can look at things and understand harmony, beauty, composition, proportions. So many times you have a great clinician that don't have artistic skills and they look at the smile and they don't know exactly what is right and what is wrong. Or they have difficulties to understand how to make something look better. So it's a completely different set. And that, that, that is the fourth set of skills that a great clinician needs. And the final one is ethics. And that's the one that comes above all. You know, you can have all the other four. And if you don't have ethics, you're not going to be a great dentist. Mm. But these are the five. In my funny, opinion. The ethics is a great one, isn't it? It's yeah. that integrity of making sure you're doing the right thing. That's right. For yeah. people rather than just yeah. making money. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. And, and like you say, there's there's quite an overlay, isn't there, between all of those those elements in, in themselves. Um, none of them are going to get you the result. But the interplay between those <coughs> five elements is so strong. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And and it's an interesting one. I think the, the one that for me, as I think you majored on a bit, is is the communication. You know, mm. you can learn the technical bits and uh, the, mm. the sort of aesthetic bit. I think you've got to have it in you. But communication is not just talking. It's, mm. a, it's a whole skill set on its own, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, communication is an art, but it's also what I said. You know, you need to be professional about it. You need to implement systems, communication mm. systems. Mm. And I think so, because yeah. we communicate so much all the time, we're not always as intentional with our own communication as, as we might be. Mm. And like you say, particularly when you're dealing with something which which is science-based, being able to communicate that in a language which is mm. received well by the patient so that it's understood, so they know <laughs> so it's understood, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That, that, there's, there's work around that yeah. as well. Yeah. No. So obviously, you know, for, for, for where you are now, you, you, lots of the things you talk about kind of uh, lead us towards the, the digital side of things. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously the advancements in digital dentistry are, are changing at a rate of knots. And, and I guess that was kind of um, part where you are now as, as the founder and CEO of the, of the Digital Smile Design Company. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, um, so as I mentioned, it all started with me seeing these challenges between the communication and the workflow between dentist and technician on the process of rehabilitating a smile. So I started to outline uh, everything that I thought should be improved or ideas that I had about improving this communication. Because at the end of the day, as a dental technician myself, I, I wanted to work with less stress. I was very pragmatic. I said, look, I I want to actually work less and make more money. You know, how can I work a little less with a little bit less stress and be a little bit more profitable? You know, there's so much back and forth, so many things, you know, I was super proud of my work and I was working with great dentists. So the outcomes were, were good, sometimes better, sometimes worse, but the, the work was good, but there's, there was room for improvement. And I decided mm -hmm. to challenge myself and start to understand what was what were the bottlenecks and the flaws of the, the, the protocols that I was using? And as I was trying to improve this process, digital technology started to appear. And of course, it was a natural move. I said, look, with technology, that's the future. You, you, you have to believe that you can be more efficient with technology. 
that you can understand the problems better with technology, that you can diagnose better with technology, that you can plan better with technology, that you can communicate better with technology, that you can replicate yourself better with technology, that you can keep a good quality standard better with technology. Mm. So it was just at the right moment when I was putting these protocols together and I started to learn about all the digital tools and I started to embrace them and teach them and use them and develop all the protocols that created digital smile design philosophy. Mm. Mm. And like you say, I think that predictable nature um, of using you know, digital tools that are available is something that's that's highly attractive for, for clinicians mm. and exciting for the profession. Just be and more the patients. Yeah. And, and the, yeah. the, the patients, yeah, the patient. This is the end goal, you know, and when patients understand the benefits of digital, they don't want to go back, you know. They no, that's right. get it. Mm. I think when you can, when you watch, you know, I, I say we're not clinicians, but we've seen lots of presentations of people using digital smile design, and it is amazing that you can, you can, you, you can turn, you know, their teeth whichever way you want, so is that the 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 patient can really see. Mm-hmm. what's going on and what you're going to do. I think it's fascinating, really. Yeah. You know, it's almost just, it's fascinating just watching, mm-hmm. uh, irrespective if it's not my mouth. I just find it quite <laughs> fascinating, really, of what can be done and how you can then present it so as they can see what your outcome yeah. is going to be. I think it's brilliant. I think that's one of, that's one of the benefits, uh, you know, of using digital in dentistry is to be able to simulate the whole treatment before even touching the patient. So in 3D, mm. you can actually translate your ideas and simulate mm. your ideas. So what I tell doctors and I tell patients, say, look, we use technology so we can detect possible mistakes on the software before we detect the mistake in mm. your mouth, before we do it in your mouth, you know? So we mm. minimize mistakes in the mouth. It's like when you're treating the patient, you're already treating the patient for the second time because you already did the whole yeah, process that's true, yeah. in 3D on the software. That's, yeah, it's so less threatening, isn't it? You know, it, it, people don't jump out of bed in the morning and go, "Hey, I'm off to the dentist." So there's, yeah. a, you know, there's there's a certain degree of trepidation anyway, isn't there? Really? Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, it reduces anxiety. It makes patients more confident. It makes them yeah. uh, understand and value more what we are doing. So it's mm. a win-win-win situation for sure. Mm. When you started um, digital smile design, Christian, were you, were you were you ahead of your time? Were you finding it quite hard in the early days to get people to understand and engage and embrace mm. what you were saying? Yeah, we're talking now in 2023, and, and digital dentistry is kind of quite common language. But when you started doing this, kind of were, were people seeing you as, as a bit of an outlier? Well, yeah, I, I was speaking by myself for a few years. I can tell you that I was yeah. kind of lonely, uh, but that was okay. That was part of the journey. Um, so I started uh, the first DSD course that I ever gave was in 2009. So the ideas. Oh, wow. 14 years ago. Wow. Long time. Well, ideas started to come together in 2007 and eight. And then 2009, uh, you know, people started to ask me to show what I was doing. So I started to put all the courses together at that time was still what we call the vintage DSD with uh, 2d. Can you imagine the quality of the digital images? Yeah, in comparison to what you got now, <laughs> was a few digital tools to help us on the analog world. So as a was a combination of, but the philosophy was there. The philosophy mm. was the same, you know, uh, simulate before you perform, 
communicate better to make better decisions, educate and motivate the patient to increase case acceptance and grow your business, try to control the execution and guide your hands on the best way possible to translate projects into outcomes and Mm -hmm. make outcomes more similar to projects. So this was the speech in 2009 and 10. It didn't change at all. What changed was Mm -hmm. that technology evolved. And in 2013, 14, everything went 3D. And uh, nowadays, of course, the whole thing is so mature and so really ready for any dentist to take advantage of it Mm -hmm. every day. You know. in, in the early days, Christian, was did you have to kind of dig deep and keep reminding yourself that what you're doing was right and, and believe it? Because, I mean, Chris and I, we started a number of businesses, as, as you have, and in the early days, it's not easy, is it? Because you, you're not necessarily getting the, the, the embracing that you, you no. hope for. <laughs> no, no, it's not easy. It's not easy, first, because uh, usually every, if something is so new uh, – even the people that listen to the stories and they say, Christian, that's a cool idea, but people don't want to put money in it. People don't want to put change. What they really yeah, say yeah, is, yeah. Is, is, is your good idea. Yeah, yeah it's your good idea <laughs> and your risk. Let me know when it works. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Keep it for yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like <a> bank. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you are like, of course, looking at all these, I say, but this is so obvious, you know, why? And But I, I, I was lucky that at least, at least, you know, uh, people really wanted to listen to me. So the courses were always very successful since mm-hmm. 2009 and became my main business, you know, giving courses. So the courses were very successful. People were very excited at the end of the course. Nobody was doing anything about it after the course. So uh, <laughs> you'd, you'd see them six months later. Hi, you're back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I could see that people were like year after year, dentistry mm. in, in general was getting more and more ready to embrace mm. the ideas that I was bringing, you know, in mm. the courses. So I, I uh, thank God I, I, I kept my hope on the process. I, I stayed with the message, I insisted, I started to bring early adopters, you know, I, I mm. have, I have to, uh, I say that any good idea without early adopters means nothing. Mm. So I'm very grateful to the, the guys that, you know, year after year, the few guys that started to say, this is amazing. Mm. We're going to do it. We're going to make it happen. And then little by little, you know, the group started to grow. Mm. And um, I, I was always super motivated to continue. But I can tell you that from the business perspective, you know, all these ideas only became really mature on the first year of pandemic. So in 2020, you know, from wow. 2009 to 2020, 11 years after 2020 was the first year that suddenly I could see the whole market just clicked and people suddenly started to really use the tools and were willing to pay for 
to embrace it as well. Yeah. So, so, so without COVID, Christian, do you think that it would have been a slow development of your business? Because you, I know lots of you know virtual consultations, lots of things blew up and benefited as a result mm -hmm. of COVID. As, as dreadful as it was, it wasn't all bad news. Did your business benefit from that? I agree. I have to believe, and I saw that. You know, you know, we we were growing like this. You know, adoption was happening like this. When hit, when COVID hit. You know, lockdown, of course, there was those two months where everybody was lost, mm. including myself, and we didn't know what was going on. But uh, we were able to reorganize ourselves and uh, move online completely. And after two, three months, when the doctors came back, it's almost like those two months where everybody stayed at home, we all kind of went through our lives and our professional dreams and vision. And we said, I want to do something more meaningful. Mm. I want to push my dreams forward. I want to mm. do better. And then suddenly DSD had a, a place in people's mind in a different way. And I believe that it did speed up the process of implementation mm. of digital smile design mm. ideas. Yeah, I think know? it did. Hmm. I think Maybe. it's brought forward a lot of things, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. homeworking, you know, exactly. all that sort but of I stuff. I think timing, like... timing is really important. Yeah. You know, yeah. lots of lots of people they have great ideas, but Long just the, the environment just doesn't suit them. Whereas you, you, you've done so much work, you were well placed that when mm -hmm. that explosion happened, yeah, it, it, you were able to capitalize on it. Oh, one hundred percent. You know, which everything is, happens which, which for is a amazing. reason. Everything happens mm. for a reason at the right time. I was going to make a joke that I wish maybe pandemic happened uh, before you know 10 years ago so i grew on faster but that's not true because i was not ready uh, we yeah. did yeah, yeah. all the work in a decade that we needed to do to be ready to serve dentists and to help dentists the way we help them today and everything yeah, yeah. is perfect the way it is and you know we you are have to put in all the work don't you yeah. what's that great quote from that arnold palmer golfer you know he sort of says that it's amazing the more i practice the luckier i get yeah and i think it's the same thing you, you have to do that groundwork yeah. to benefit from it yeah well i think it's what you were saying christian about that you've got to do kind of lots of dentistry to yeah. get the skill to understand what needs to be achieved mm. and i think all yeah. the digital bits can support you but you yeah. need that that core skill um to to, to lean back on so so yeah, so so obviously DSD, you talked about kind of the predictable, the predictable outcomes using digital technology, but you also say there's a there's a management and marketing strategy side to DSD yeah. as well. Is that a fairly new new innovation in the business? Tell us about that. That's a that's a good question. So uh, as I mentioned, you know, I started from a very technical perspective. You know, mm. how to improve the technical clinical workflow between dentist specialists and the lab. That's how we started. But I realized that um, there was a very important component. You know, if I was trying to convince dentists to incorporate a new idea, to invest on a new solution, uh, I realized that the dentists needed to put extra effort, invest in this idea, and somebody needed to pay for it. And that was the patient. So I realized that I needed, if I wanted the dentist to use my ideas, I needed to help the dentist to convince the patient to pay for those ideas. So mm -hmm. I, on the early days, I jumped into uh, all the possibilities of how to help dentists grow case acceptance, grow conversion, improve communication, improve education, 
towards the patient. And this becomes a, a trademark of, of my lectures. You know, every time I'm lecturing about a technique, I'm always also lecturing about how to sell that technique. You know, if you learn how to do X with that, you want to also learn how to convince the patient to value that you know X, that you learn how to do X, that mm. you're doing X, not Y, and why you're doing X, not Y, and why this is better for the patient. And yeah, you yeah. need to wow your patient. You need to mm. make your patient say, I'm grateful that you learned that little thing because I can see that it's better for me. Mm. So mm. Uh, this is what I call emotional dentistry strategy. So we have digital dentistry and we started to also teach what we call emotional dentistry. And emotional dentistry is basically every single strategy that helps you create perceived value. Make the patient value your effort, your skills, etc. So, of course, that has a direct impact on your business as well. So, as I was giving the courses, uh, I started to realize that uh, I needed to give extra support to the participants after the course. Uh, people were excited at the end of the course, but not necessarily doing something about the content. So I realized that the course was just the beginning of the journey and I needed to create a company that could support the dentist to go through the whole journey, the DSD implementation journey, as we call. So we started first opening uh, the DSD planning center. That is the first and still the only interdisciplinary digital planning service in the world where doctors from all over the world are sending uh, their patient's documentation, and we are helping them design the case and plan the mm -hmm. case, diagnose the case, develop the plan. So we, all those uh, reports that we generate, you know, helping dentists to understand what is the problem and what is the best solution for their patient. Mm -hmm. After that, we opened the lab because we needed to manufacture all these devices that we were creating and inventing, not only the veneers and the crowns and the restorations, mm -hmm. but all the devices and guides and appliances and splints and aligners and everything that you need to perform this comprehensive type of dentistry. So that was the, the, the third business we started. Then, as I mentioned, if you are investing energy to bring all these new ideas, you need to convince the patient to pay. You need to attract the right patient. So we open mm -hmm. a marketing agency to support the dentists that were implementing our ideas. So if you're going to use the planning center, you're going to use the lab, we're going to help you show to your community why you are better, why you are special. We're going to mm -hmm. build the content. We're going to build the strategies. We're going to build the stories and we're going to empower uh, your communication with your community to grow your business because mm -hmm. you're using our solution. So we became a full service marketing agency as well. And finally, we identified another bottleneck. So not only the dentist needs to be convinced, you need to help them use the ideas, then you need to help them sell the ideas, but you also have to onboard the team because at the end of the day, the team, the staff, yeah, will make the magic happen. And doctors yeah. depend on the staff and they struggle Absolutely. convincing yeah, the staff, right. training the staff, and making the staff want to do this more than themselves. That's what we tell. If you want to use mm. DSD, if you want to implement DSD, your team needs to love this more than mm. even yourself. That's when the magic happens. So we created a whole uh, team of consultants to go and train staffs all over the world 
to implement these ideas. So nowadays, besides education, that is still the beginning of the journey, we became this service company where we serve dentists on diagnosis and planning. We serve with lab manufacturing devices. We mm-hmm. serve with marketing and we serve with consultancy and team training. Mm. I mean, it's really cool. And, and re-engineering the dental practice makes sense because like you say, uh, the, the, the clinician's going to be locked away in their surgery treating that one patient. Mm. So if the whole team aren't on board, it will fail. But right. there are so many courses out there where, and, and we've seen this over the years, where dentists get taught on the technical aspect of, of what they can do, but mm-hmm. it's not translated into language of a patient benefit no. and, and how it can enhance the, the patient's life. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and that's the key, huh? that the few doctors that yeah. got it, or some people have that instinctively inside them. And these are usually the dentists that are making the most money. They can mm-hmm. instinctively, naturally, they have the gift to generate yeah. value through their mm. charisma, through their words, through their communication, mm. and they can make the patients this, wow, whatever you want, doctor, I'm going to pay for this, right? So we mm. know those people that have that natural gift to mm. generate this magic through communication and body language and behavior, etc. cetera. Uh, but many great clinicians don't have that naturally, and they deserve right. yeah. those credits. And, and we love helping those great clinicians to grow their value in front of their patients. We, we've always said, Christian, when we when we run courses and we do something, we've done for a while about selling and sales techniques and communication predominantly. Mm-hmm. And we say, you know, they let, think about the best clinician that you can think of. And then would you like to go for a drink with them? <laughs> and, <laughs> and people sort of go, oh, no, I wouldn't really want to go for a drink. <laughs> you know, he might be a brilliant technician of the dentist and stuff, but but as you say, quite often, regrettably, they've, they've sort of missed out on that, that personality communication bit, which yeah. obviously is what sounds great, is the fact of you're, you're never going to make them the world's best communicator, but you can make them a darn sight better than they are yeah. by, by helping yeah. them. I think it's brilliant. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, 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 Christian, you're, you're only allowed to take one lesson um, from your entrepreneurial journey. What's the one learning that you would take from, from all the things you've, you've learned from your, your um, broad-ranging career? Yeah, that's a good question because I was not trained to be an entrepreneur. I was not trained to be a businessman. So I'm literally learning on the fly, right? Uh, <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> and it has been an amazing journey of learning. You know, when, when you talk about techniques and clinical and dental, you know, I'm, that's what I studied and that's what I did my whole life. But when you, when you talk about running a company and managing you know, 130 people and growth and numbers and, 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 whew, it's unbelievable <laughs> how complex and, and so people, uh, <laughs> managing people, managing, I love it. I think that's actually, uh, uh, for me, the number one take home message. Uh, if you want to grow beyond yourself, if you want to create a business that doesn't depend every day on yourself, on your hands. Uh, if you want to re- have a really a business, not being just a, a dentist making uh, money for service, right? Um, I think that you need to put all your energy, 
on how to bring the best people around you and how to make the best people embrace your idea and make yeah. your idea become their idea. So they don't move away when they get better, when they improve, you know, and this is a common complaint. Many people say, oh, I hired this person, I trained, I gave everything to this person. And then when this person became very good, she, he left to another job. Said, so mm. instead of getting pissed, you know, you need to understand that you can do stuff. You can change yourself. Mm. Oh, yeah. make your project become the best project for everybody around you. You know, they, yeah. every person around you need to see that they can become whatever they can and whatever, whatever they want inside your project. And that's how yeah. you keep the best people around you. Absolutely. I, I think there's a saying, Christian, that they say you, if you, you train people and you make them better and they leave, surely it's worse to not train people and they stay. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's a good saying. Yeah, it's, 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 it's frustrating, but it's still, yeah. it's still the right thing to do, isn't it, to, mm. to, to train people and make them the best version of themselves. It's it, it, it worst case scenario is better than not training them and they staying with you. You're hundred percent right. I love this saying. So there's no way out. You have to train, you have to invest in people, but it's not. The problem is that you train people to do what you want. And at the end of the day, because you want your business to be better for yourself <laughs> and that is wrong. You need to train people to do better for the business because you want the business to be better for everybody so they won't leave and they will stay and they will fulfill their dreams in your business. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And for some people, they just find their happiness somewhere else. And that doesn't mean you've done anything wrong or you've missed out. Because no, th those, those people may come back to you at some point in the future and they, they might come know, back with, a, with a, you know, a, well. a, an expanded no. set of skills. It's impossible to keep everybody. You just need, you, you know, but you just need to keep as many people, as many of the good people around you. That's, yes. Yeah. Mm. There's no shortcut. There's no magic. You need mm. to have great people around you. When you were talking, Christian, about um, kind of your entrepreneurial journey and saying that's not the bit you're trained in, um, you, you've obviously done, you know, the technician side and dentistry. Um, what do you, do you feel that you're a technician or do you feel that you're a dentist or is it, is it a, a blend? I'm sorry, say, uh, ask again. I, I was saying you, you're obviously a, a technician and a dentist and your businesses span mm -hmm. kind of both of those, those, um, fields, but as an individual, do you, do you in, instinctively feel you're a technician or are you a oh, dentist? 100% much more a technician than a clinician. That's, oh, wow. that's 100%. I, I, I worked as a technician for 20 years and I never worked only as a clinician, as a normal clinician. You know, mm. when I finished dental school, I was already a technician and I decided that I didn't want to become a clinician that used to be a technician and instead mm. to continue to be a technician that was also a clinician, mm. also a dentist, right? So uh, I think that was a very important decision I made that really shaped my whole career because instead of being one more dentist that used to be a technician, I became very unique technician that was also a dentist but decided to continue to work as a technician. Mm. 
So it made me different. It really differentiated myself and it opened many, many doors, including the fact that as a technician that is also a dentist, but wants to continue to work as a technician, you can work anywhere in the world. And I was able to work with the best dentists in the world because of that, traveling and living in other countries. As a clinician, you cannot. You can only work on the country or state that you have your license. As a technician, yeah, you can work I hadn't thought about, about that. that. No, that's about, true. About yeah, the yeah. freedom that it offered you. Um, yeah. and, and I'm sure as a result of that, you've now got great worldwide experience that you've been able to benefit from yourself, mm. but also bring into your, your businesses as well. Yeah, yeah. And the, um, the, the, the lab work was the foundation for me to start Digital Smile Design 100%. Mm. Right, yeah. Yeah. And as a guy who's got, you've got this business empire, you've got, you've got four children. How do you, how do you manage your time? What's the secret source to making sure that you kind of keep all those plates spinning and, and still have time for your family? Uh, so these are, this is a good question as well. People always ask me this question, how do you manage your time? Or the other question that I find interesting is how do you find balance? You mm. know, uh, and my answer is, you know, I already gave up on trying to find balance and I gave up trying to manage my time. I, d- I don't even blame myself. I don't feel bad about it anymore. You know, uh, you know, finding balance in life. Oh, I said, look, I, I gave up. I, I'm not even looking for balance anymore. I'm just, you know, going full power, doing as much as I can and, uh, enjoying the process, having fun. Uh, in the process of doing whatever I'm doing at that specific moment. So um, I do have uh, problems of managing time. I'm, I'm very impulsive. I'm all over, you know, I, and I'm not saying this as a good thing. I got better on the last few years. Uh, I had to get better with some type of organization to be able to, 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 to run the company here with the team and et cetera. Mm. Uh, but thank God I have amazing organized people surrounding me, um, that are running the day to day thing, allowing Mm. me to continue to take advantage of what I can bring to the table. The best Mm. part of me, that is the creativity, the communication, uh, the entrepreneurial mindset, you know, thinking outside the box. Uh, and these mm. things you cannot schedule, you know, oh, I'm going to schedule a session tomorrow, one hour to have my next great idea. No, you don't. Life <laughs> you doesn't work like that, does it? It comes. And, and uh, thank God, you know, the business allows me to have this, mm. this uh, space in my mind mm. to continue to come with new ideas. Mm. I think what's great is you said you've given up on balance, but it also sounds like you're very in the moment. And I think so many people spend time trying to work out where they should be or what they should be doing. But if you actually just enjoy every moment that you're in, you kind of yeah. get stuff done and it's fulfilling and then you don't feel guilty about mm. it either. 100%. You know, we know that we learn so many philosophers and um, they talk about the fact that you need to live in the present. It's not easy. You know, you're constantly yeah. suffering because of the past and anxious about the future. Uh, but I... I this is something that I really work, really, I'm really focused. You know, when I'm, when I'm doing something, you know, I usually, I'm usually having a lot of fun doing that one thing. And, and, mm. and it really makes my day super fun. You know, it's, it's nice mm. to be 100% in a meeting or 100% uh, 
uh, answering an email or 100% building a new yeah. message or 100% talking to a possible new business partner or 100% giving an interview. Like here, you just 100% into it and giving your yeah. best on every little single thing you do. Yeah, I think it shows as well. Christian, we, we, we're very grateful for your time. Um, as is evident from our conversation, you, you're not short of things to keep you busy. We, we always finish up asking our guests the same two questions just to get some kind of consistent responses across all our, our guests. And the first one we have for you is if you could be a fly on the wall in a certain situation, where where would that be and who would you be with? Whew. Uh, I would like to be a fly on the wall and be inside of Putin's office to understand why uh, he's messing up the whole world. <laughs> yeah. 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 I that think would everyone would like to be on that office. Yeah. 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 And he's, 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 he's doing mind. a good job at it as well at the moment. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that, um, uh, that would be one yeah. wall that I would like we, we, to we be. We might get some answers and get a bit more, a um, bit more safety across the planet if we knew the answers to that. Huh? If we knew the answer to that, we I might mean, get a bit more, more calm and safety across the planet as well. Yeah, and then I, I wish I could talk to him and say, "Look, man, let's just enjoy life. You know, don't, don't do, <laughs> don't destroy, you know, your life by doing what you're doing." But anyway, mm. absolutely. We pray, we pray for yes absolutely 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 and if you could meet anybody uh, if you were given the opportunity to sit down and have a a cup of coffee or a glass of wine with somebody who who would you like the opportunity to meet that's another good question um i would uh it's putin again no <laughs> 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 no, no, let's be more more positive on this one. Um, um, I would like to be uh, uh, with Abraham Lincoln. Ah, okay, yeah. I would like to to be able. I thought you were going to go with Pele myself, but Pele. <laughs> nah, yeah, no. Of course, I love Pele and I love soccer, but uh, yeah, you know, to understand how a person can really change the world for better and, and do everything that he did, at least in my perspective and, and at his time. I think he, yeah. I really, uh, I think he's a, a special human being. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And given the family heritage as well and how it affected your your sort of ancestors, I can yeah. see that. Would be Maybe a, if I could go back at that time, I could meet, I could meet my great, great, great and talk to him as well. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. 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 He's got a beard like Lincoln, looking at the picture I've got there. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> Christian, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been it's been really enjoyable. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, and, and like I said, I think the way that your your career's evolved and developed, and that that kind of blend of technician and, and clinician, and what you've created is is remarkable. Uh, mm. And I think it's it's such an exciting time for you to be in dentistry as well. Mm. No, thank and you. I just guys. wonder how long you can keep that tradition going. <laughs> let's see exactly. let's see what's gonna happen but it was a lot yeah, of yeah. you guys are really really good at what you do it was, you know uh, 
I really appreciate the invitation and the opportunity, you know, and uh, yeah, keep counting on me. Good luck over there. And hopefully we can maybe in the future do something like this in person. Yeah. That'd be lovely. That'd be great. That'd, yeah. That'd, that'd be a great thing. That'd be a great thing. Right, we're booking our flights. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Cheers, Christian. Have a good Cheers, great Christian. Rest of the Thanks day. very much, man. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.